Today's scripture comes from Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 10. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, he, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then that with, will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs in the haunts where jackals once lay. Grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I made the kids say it back to me a few times, but I will spare you. <laughs> um, yeah, hello. My name is Bobe. For those of you guys who don't know me, if this is your first time or you're visiting us or you're returning, or you're a member, I'm glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Um, just one little quick announcement from our ministry, Mercy Kids, which is the Sunday school, nursery, all of it. Um, we're trying to figure a new way of doing nursery for the parents who have children under two and a half. So next Sunday, we are actually going to have a meeting after lunch or during lunch, depending so, um, yeah, if you're a nursery parent, please join us. We'd love to share with you some of our, our ideas, and we'd love to hear from you as well. So that's my little pitch. Um, anyway, right now we're in the season of Advent, and we're preparing to celebrate the arrival of our Lord Jesus Christ. At our church, we're going through an Advent devotional called The Promised One. Anybody did it this week? Have you been reading our Instagram posts? of the reflections, the silence is telling me that you're not. Well, I hope you are following along because the devotional is really good, but the reflections are really great. It's awesome to hear from our community. So that's what we've been doing. And each week, um, there's a theme, and it's centered around a core aspect of Jesus's identity that is drawn from the prophecies of, prophecies of Isaiah. Last week, Pastor Key started us off with a message titled, Mighty God. And, and he talked about how Jesus used his might and power for good. And Pastor Key, he challenged us to figure out a way to use our power and our might for the good of those around us. Today, I want to share with you guys um, about the Prince of Peace through a message titled, A Vision of Peace. Everybody say that with me, A Vision of Peace. So let me just pray for us before I get started. Um, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made, and we will be glad in it. Lord, as I 
um, share your message. I pray that ears would be open, hearts would be open, and minds would be open, and whatever is not of you would just fall to the ground and cease to exist. Um, so bless this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It seems like whenever I watch the news or when I read the news, there's always more bad news than good. For every one positive news story, there's like three negative ones. Even just thinking about the events of the last three years, the world feels like a darker place. Between the pandemic and shootings, not to mention just, you know, things that happen in our personal lives, it's really hard to see straight when you keep getting bamboozled by bad news. Anybody agree? Right? When things that are out of our control keep happening, we look for perspective. It's a way for us to cope, and it helps us understand the situation somewhat. And, then, and some of us, you might latch onto news. Others of us, social media. Maybe there's some closet conspiracy theorists in this house. I don't know. But if you're like me, you might avoid it at all costs because that's, I really try, I swear, real good. But, you know, sometimes when, like, the bad things happen in our, um, you know, in our world, in our nation, whatever, um, oftentimes us pastors will get asked about what we think, and sometimes people ask for a statement of some sort. And I have to be honest, at first, I didn't really understand why you guys wanted to hear from us in that way. Like, you know, you guys are already getting a lot of emails and a lot of opinions, so why did you want another one, you know? But when I stopped and thought about it, um, I realized what people were really asking for was perspective. They're not just, you know, you guys aren't just asking us for our thoughts or whatever. But you want to know how to view this, how to, like, understand this as a follower of Jesus. You didn't want just another opinion. You wanted an answer to what I think we were all asking at one point, probably in the last three years a lot, Right. God, why is this happening, right? And, I, you know, actually recently I've been asking those types of questions a lot. Like, God, why do people have to get sick? Why is there so much evil in the world? Why are there so many disturbances in my force? Like, Jesus, are you coming back soon? Um, and I'm not here to tell you that I've got the answer. I don't have the answer to any of those questions. Um, one day if the Lord decides that he wants to share with me in that way, I will definitely share with you. You can bank on that. But I don't know. I don't have any answers. But the thing that I want to share with you today is this, that God, he's not new to the chaos and turmoil of this world. His people have walked through some dark times, and through it all, the Lord did not abandon them. He didn't leave them hanging. Hanging. He actually gave them a vision of what was to come, a vision beyond the chaos, a vision, a vision of peace. And I believe that the words that the Lord spoke through the prophets 2,000 years ago are still true for us today. Our text this morning, it comes from Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah, it could be broken down into three different sections, just largely because there's 66 chapters. Um, chapter 1 through 35 are messages of judgment for Israel and like um, like an intro into the impending exile to Babylon. Um, chapters 36 to 39 is about a historical account of King Hezekiah. 
chapters 40 to 66 are prophecies of how the Lord is going to fulfill his promises after the Babylonian exile. It can be kind of overwhelming, actually, when you read the prophetic text, if you don't really know the context of why these prophecies were shared. Isaiah, he, prophet Isaiah, he lived in Jerusalem during the last half of Israel's kingdom. And he spoke to the Israel, like, spoke to the leaders of Israel about the judgment that was coming for them because of their rebellion to the Lord. Under King Uzziah, Judah was actually doing really well. Um, their military was getting stronger. They were doing really well economically. Money was flowing. They didn't have much threats from their neighboring um, kingdoms. And their faith in the Lord as the true king, it was actually really strong. But right around the time that King Uzziah died, things started to go south. First, Assyria, which is like, if you think like Judah, Israel is here. Assyria is here, okay? <laughs> Assyria, they, be, they actually became stronger, which became a big threat to Judah's borders. Second, the newly found wealth was not distributed properly, which caused a lot of problems. The, the money, it was going only to the elites and the poor, they were being oppressed. Um, the, ju the justice system was being corrupted. Third, they stopped trusting in the Lord, which is a big, big deal, right? Isaiah 1 tells us that the nation has forsaken the Lord and their burnt offerings no longer please him. When their enemies were getting closer, the kings didn't trust God. Even when Isaiah advised them to stay strong, the kings decided to do otherwise. Through Isaiah, God, sent, God sends warnings, messages of judgment upon Judah to say, hey, you need to turn back to me right now or I'm going to be handing you off to the Syrians. But coupled with these judgment um, prophecies or yeah, messages of judgment are also messages of hope. Prophecies about a coming king from the line of David who will bring peace and restoration to Israel. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 um, and 6, 7, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the lands of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace, whose peace will have no end, we know is Jesus. And 700 years pass before Jesus is born. And for 700 years, people held on to this promise that there's a king coming who will reign with justice and righteousness forever. In their darkest hour, while they were still in exile, and even after when they returned to the city without walls, the Israelites, they held on to the promise of a king who would come to restore Israel, a vision of peace. 
But what's interesting about Jesus' birth is that even though he came to bring peace, it didn't happen immediately. You know, Jesus, his birth and ministry actually caused a lot of controversy, which led to his death on the cross. We, on, you know, in 2022 with the Bible, we understand why he had to die such a death. But his followers, he, they didn't really exactly know why it all had to happen. However, just like the prophecies of Isaiah, Jesus tells them who he is, why he came, where he's going, and what is coming. He continues to give them a vision of peace. John 14, verse 1 through 4 It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And even after Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, he shares with Apostle John a revelation of what is to come for us. Revelations um, chapter 21, verse 3 to 4, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Amen. The question I want to ask you guys this morning is this. What lens are you viewing the problems of this world through? What is the filter you use to make sense of all that's going on around you? Are you focused on what the news is saying? Or are you letting a Reddit thread or other people's opinion dictate your perspective? Sometimes those things can be really helpful. But if we're thinking and we're trying to live like followers of Jesus, we need to view the problems of this world through the lens of the word of the Lord. Because his word never fails. The news fails us all the time. Social media is changing all the time. But the word of the Lord never fails. The wonderful thing about the Bible is that it's like the answer sheet to all the problems of life. There are answers and solutions in the Bible. It's not just the historical account or a bunch of rules to live by. It's our daily bread. That's what Jesus said. It's the lens through which we we should look at ourselves and the world around us. When we read the Bible, the scripture, it renews our minds and eventually our perspective changes from an earthly one to a heavenly one. It doesn't happen overnight, it happens over time. You know, in the month of um, October, our Mercy Kids, our Sunday School Kids, we did a series on heaven. Um, they were asking a lot of questions. You know, now they're older. Before they were little, so their questions are really easy, but now they ask, like, really hard questions. Like, what is heaven? Is God there? You know, all this stuff. But (laughs) anyway, Um, so, you know, they were asking a lot of these questions, actually, around um, 
like September. So I thought, hey, why don't I take October and we can figure this out together? Because it was a good study for me too. And every week I took questions from the kids about everything related to heaven. What does it look like? Are there animals? Do dinosaurs live in heaven now? And, you know, since then, actually, the questions have never stopped. It hasn't stopped yet. I'm hoping it'll stop. As I keep saying, I'm not sure, guys. We're just going to have to ask the Lord. We're just going to have to ask the Lord, you know. Um, but I try my best. I really try my best to answer their questions the, in the best way I know how. And a couple of weeks ago, as so we do service, and then we break up into class time, which is like our small groups. And one of my older kids um, in the older, older elementary school class, he asked me this question. He asked, how come there's so much bad in the world? Now, this wasn't the first time I got this question. I get this question pretty frequently from the kids. But it, I think it was the first time I felt like a child knew exactly what the bad of the world was. If you think about it, this generation of kids, the ones that are sitting over there in the other room right now, they lived through a lot more in their lifetime than we did when we were in their age, you know, when we were their age. They went through a pandemic, political outrage, social distancing, war, increase in the shootings, and it's all in the span of like three years, right? And that's a lot for us adults to figure out. So imagine how much, like, how much help they need to figure out what all of this means, you know? So when he asked that question, I really felt the weight of it. So I answered the best way I know how. And my answer was this. There's a lot of bad in the world because of sin. Even though Jesus overcame sin in his death and resurrection, we're still in the in-between, waiting for Christ's return. When Jesus comes again, there's not going to be anything bad in the world anymore. There's going to be only good, just like it says in Revelation. And when I said that to him, it was more casual than the way I just read it, though. <laughs> just saying, you know, I don't talk like that to the kids, but I'm not going to talk like that here, you know. Um, but when I, you know, answered um, that child, he said, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then that was the end of the conversation. As I was preparing for this message, my mind, it just kept going back to this conversation. Because I think if we didn't just learn about heaven, if, like he, if we didn't just go through a month of figuring out what heaven's going to look like, what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back, my answer would have been really difficult for him to understand. He wouldn't have any reference to what I was saying, right? So then that means there will be follow-up questions what is sin? Like, you know, all these questions that I can't even think about that the kids just throw at me. But he knew these truths already, the answers that I gave. He knew the truths in them. All I had to do was remind him of what Jesus says will happen. And so I want to remind you guys today of these truths. That the Advent season it isn't just about celebrating the birth of Jesus. It's also a reminder for us that Jesus is coming back. Amen? And while we wait patiently for his second coming, we will face difficulties that are beyond our control. But God doesn't leave us hopeless. 
because he gave us a vision of what is to come. He gives us a picture to hold on to, like Isaiah 35, that the desolate land will be full of beautiful flowers, that the land will be richer than the richest of lands, that we can be strong, that we don't have to fear anymore because God is coming with his justice and he will save us. The eyes of the blind will be open. The lame will leap like a deer and the mute will shout for joy. The wilderness will no longer house jackals, but there will be grass and fresh life. And the Lord will make a highway, an easy way for those who believe and follow him. No wicked person, no unbeliever can walk on this highway. Only the ones that have been redeemed in the Lord's rescue. There will be singing and everlasting joy and all sorrow and sighing will flee. This isn't just wishful thinking or just like a random vision, but this is a promise of hope. The vision and the vision of peace that we are supposed to hold on to until we see Jesus again. I don't know what your idea of peace is, if it's just like peace like a river, a still river. But this is my vision of peace. Peace isn't just a dormant thing. It's an active thing. There's joy in peace. There's life in peace because Jesus gives us peace that the world does not offer us. He gives us a different type of peace, and I believe that it is. And I believe that Isaiah 35 is a picture of that peace. Brothers and sisters, there is no good in us. There is no good in this world that can overcome the darkness that it shines, if I can say it that way. The Prince of Peace has come to us already, but he will return with all his glory and all his might, and his light will cover all darkness. So my prayer for us this morning is that we allow the mighty God and Prince of Peace to renew our minds, to reshape our eyes, to see the world through his vision of peace. Amen. Let me just pray for us. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. That phrase probably will never get old, and every time I say it, it'll take a different shape, I think, because my life circumstances will be different. The world's circumstances will be different. But regardless of that, I thank you for Jesus. Because it's through Jesus that we're going to see all the things that you promised come to fruition. And Father, I pray this Advent season that even though the pretty lights are awesome, Christmas trees and presents, even me, right? Like I'm 32 and I still get really excited about all those things. And I'm sure my fellow brothers and sisters here do too. But as we enjoy those things, I pray that we would also Remember that you are a mighty God, that you are the Prince of Peace, a wonderful counselor, everlasting Father. And Jesus, you don't leave us hanging, but you tell us that you're coming back. And there's going to be no more tears, no more sickness, no more disease. 
And so, Lord, when all those things are rampant in our country, when all those things are so, like, prevalent in the world today, we hold on to your truth. Even though we don't see it now, we know that it's coming. And so, Father, I pray that that truth would be deeply um, planted in us. That even when the world decides to shake us, even when the world decides that, boom, let me just land you with something crazy, that we would not be shaken because we have a mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor. So we lift up all these things to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.